Today we are continuing in the sermon series that we started several weeks ago. We're actually coming to the end of it. We only have two more weeks after this one to complete our annual spiritual, examining our spiritual life to check ourselves for spiritual health. So today we are looking at our hands and wondering how we might be able to use our hands in ways that are spiritually invigorating. Our scripture passage for today comes from Exodus 4, verses 2 through 20. I invite you to listen along with me to this passage, a story that is familiar of God calling Moses to go back into Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, What is that in your hand? Moses said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw the staff on the ground and it became a snake. And Moses drew back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and grasped it and it became a staff in his hand so that they may believe that the Lord the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. He put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was leprous, as white as snow. Then God said, put your hand back into your cloak. So he put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his body. If they will not believe you or heed the first sign, they may believe the second sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or heed you, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to the mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But Moses said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, what of your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak fluently. Even now he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what to do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people and he shall serve as a mouth for you. And you shall serve as God for him. Now take in your hand the staff with which you shall perform the signs. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for you to speak to us in a way that is meaningful. Help us to hear the truth of your scripture. Though we are imperfect, though we come with the distractions, Though we have worries, we know that when we are in your presence, we are safe. 
Help us to rest in your presence and to absorb your spirit and to hold your truth that we might go from here to share it with the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever arrived at some significant moment in your life? Maybe a presentation for school or for work or to accept some accolade that you worked really hard for, or maybe you're just showing up to an important conversation with someone that you love. Have you ever arrived at this important moment in your life only to find out that inside, deep down, you feel like an imposter? Objectively, there's probably no reason for you to feel this way, You've done the hard work or you know the person that you're about to speak with loves you and accepts you. You might literally be surrounded by applause, but yet somehow you still can't shake the sneaking suspicion that at any moment, someone will soon realize that you are not as capable as you appear to be, that you have had everyone fooled. In 1978, Dr. Pauline Clancy and Dr. Suzanne Imes published an article titled The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women. They defined the imposter phenomenon as an individual experience of self-perceived phoniness. When they investigated the prevalence of this internal experience by interviewing a sample of 150 high-achieving women, all of the participants had been formally recognized for their professional excellence by colleagues. All of them had attained high academic achievement through degrees or through standardized testing. But despite this consistent presence of external validation in their lives, the women lacked internal acknowledgement of their own accomplishments. Over and over again, one participant after another would explain how her success was the result of luck or how recognition of her work was simply an overestimation of her intelligence or her ability. The imposter phenomenon, it turns out, is really difficult to shake. Of course, the imposter phenomenon has existed in people long before Clancy and Imes published their article. In our scripture for today, we see Moses dealing with the same imposter phenomenon. In this moment, Moses is being externally affirmed by God that he is absolutely qualified to serve as the spiritual leader to the Hebrews, but internally, he just can't accept it. He says, they won't trust me. They won't listen to a word that I say. They're going to say, God appear to that guy? Hardly. Compassionate to Moses' skepticism, we see that God provides Moses with three tools that he can use to bolster his confidence. Three miracles. First, the staff in his hand turns into a snake and back again. Then his hand is mysteriously plagued and healed. 
And then after explaining those first two miracles that are at Moses' fingertips, God tells Moses to scoop some water out of the Nile and to pour it out on the dry ground because then that Nile water will become blood. Those are three pretty good tools to have if you want to convince someone that God is with you. But Moses' internal feelings of phoniness, his fear of being seen as an imposter, they would not be so easily calmed by the affirmations of the almighty God of creation. After all, Moses can't command anyone's attention. He can't hardly utter a command. He has a speech defect. So God assures him that God will be right there alongside him, teaching him what to say every step of the way. Still, Moses' feelings of phoniness overwhelm him and he begs, please send someone else. And you know, that's the first moment in our scripture where God gets mad because it turns out that God does not have much patience for people telling God what they are and are not capable of doing. God makes another compromise. He sends Moses, his brother Aaron, to speak on his behalf. But you see, even though God makes accommodations for Moses along the way, God will not allow Moses' self-perception of incapability to win. God had qualified Moses to serve and Moses would not be able to deny God's qualification. It's this scene in scripture, it's a good demonstration of a phrase that has become popular over the last several years. The phrase goes like this, God does not call the qualified, God qualifies the called. You see, Moses felt like an imposter and that feeling was based on real events. He had fled Egypt as a murderer. He had secured himself a spot on Pharaoh's most wanted list. And since then, he had been hiding out in the desert with a foreign people. He had married a foreign woman and he had decided to tend sheep for a living. It was a far cry from the palaces of Egypt. If Moses felt like no one would want to listen to him, if Moses felt like he was not qualified and he was an imposter, then he had some really good reasons as to why he should feel that way. But God's qualification of those whom God calls will not be stopped by having good reasons for feeling the way that we feel. Because in the kingdom of God, God is the one who qualifies the called. We do not qualify ourselves. We are not measured by what we have done or by what we haven't done. We are not measured by what we know or what we do not know. We are What we are capable of is not determined by how strong or courageous or confident we feel. As Christians, the only measure upon our lives is the measure of how God, how much God loves us through Jesus Christ. So our willingness to move 
when God calls us to move is not dependent on our feelings or our fears or our personal insecurities. It is only dependent upon our faith. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And if you and me are called to serve God, which we are, then we will be qualified for the task. We've already had a really good example of how God qualifies the called happen in our worship service for today when we baptized Reese into our community of faith. In our Presbyterian tradition, we hold a commitment to baptizing infants. It's something that has caused a dispute with our Baptist and Pentecostal brothers and sisters for generations. They say that baptism should be an outward sign of an internal commitment, that infants should not be baptized because they can have no cognitive understanding of God's grace, of God's forgiveness, of God's calling. To which we as Presbyterians respond by asking, well, yes, but who of us truly does have a full cognitive understanding of God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's calling? We know that God's grace far surpasses our understanding. If our being included in the community of Christ is reliant upon our understanding the infinite grace of God, then who in this room would be included? Our comprehension of God is not what qualifies us. We are included in God's community, not because we possess understanding, not because we have demonstrated our capability, but because God alone has called us to rest in his arms. I think that many of us have probably dealt with spiritual imposter syndrome from time to time, particularly if we feel a calling to serve God in some way, be it big or small. When we feel called to serve or called to move, and be it in children's ministry or at Union Station or visiting people who are homebound, when we feel called to serve in some way, we can do a really good job of talking ourselves out of it on the basis that there is probably someone else who is better qualified, someone else who is more holy, someone else who's going to be more knowledgeable about what needs to be done. We're very good at believing that we could not possibly be qualified. All of the same feelings that Moses felt. But what we see here from Moses is that God cannot be talked out of qualifying us for what we are being called to do. So when we feel like an imposter, a spiritual imposter, and especially when we have good reasons for feeling like we are an imposter, how then do we live into God's calling despite our feelings of phoniness? How do we trust that God will qualify us for what we are about to do? When Moses was feeling this way, God directed him to do three things. To use what was in his hands, to show his hand, and to demonstrate faith through his hands. 
So when we are struggling to accept God's calling for us to serve, I think we can start by doing the same thing that God instructed Moses to do. We can start by looking at what we already have in our hands. What do you and I do each day that God can use to transform into a representation of the kingdom? For instance, Moses was a shepherd, which wasn't the most prestigious career, remember? He was a shepherd who carried a shepherd's staff in his hand, and it turns out that it was that ordinary daily tool that God chose to use in order to demonstrate a miracle. So then let's ask ourselves the same question. What ordinary daily tools do we use where, that God could possibly transform into demonstrating a miracle? Maybe you use a computer every day. Maybe you use a set of cookware. Maybe you use pens and paper. Maybe you have negotiating skills. Maybe you have nurturing skills. When we are struggling to respond to God's calling in our lives, I think it makes sense for us to first start with what we have in our hands, to offer it into God's hands, and to watch for how God will take the ordinary tools of our living and transform them into extraordinary representations of God's activity on earth. The second thing that God used to qualify Moses was to ask Moses to show his hand. God transforms Moses himself. You'll recall his hand goes white as snow. And then God asks Moses to reveal his woundedness, to replace that in his his robe, and then to reveal his healing. I believe that you and I can do this too, but without the leprosy. If you and I were to sit down and we were to one-on-one have a conversation, if I were to ask you, what is a time in your life, when was a time in your life where you were hurting, where you felt like there was nothing that you can do to bring healing to yourself and you know that God was the one who brought you comfort and healing? Tell me of a time like that. What kind of story would you share with me? God transforms us through our wounds. And God transforms us by healing us every single day. But sometimes we can be timid to share what God does in our lives. However, I don't think that we are meant to be that timid. Our stories of woundedness and of healing are powerful stories. Sharing how we have been wounded and then sharing how we have been healed by God has the power to qualify us for the calling to serve because our stories reveal God's character to people who also need to hear that they are not phonies, that they belong, that God loves them just as much as God loves us. So the first thing we could do when we feel like a phony is to use what's in our hands. And the second thing we could do when we feel like a phony is to show our hand. The third thing that we can do is to use our hands to obey faithfully. And I think this is the hardest one. Because you'll recall that God asks Moses to scoop some water out of the Nile and then to spill that water onto the ground on the sheer faith that that water is going to turn into blood. And if you're someone who feels like a phony, if you're insecure, having to do something completely on faith 
is not always the easiest place to be. But it's exactly what God asks Moses to do. To scoop up that faith. To pour it out onto the ground. And to see what it transforms into. If we are struggling with imposter syndrome, and we might, and we might have good reason to feel like phonies. But if we're struggling with it, we still cannot deny that God, his qualification is not going to be thwarted by our resisting. What needs to happen then is for us to just use our hands, to use the tools that we have to show our hands and to demonstrate faithfulness. And who knows what wonders the world will see. Amen.